0: When life gives you lemons you make lemonade, right? What do people mean when they say that? They're really saying make the most of a bad circumstance. And there's two things that we know uh, from that statement. First of all, sour days, sour weeks, sour months, sometimes a sour season or even a sour year are going to come to our lives. Life will at some point Give us something sour or something bitter. But the second thing that we know from this, if life gives you lemons, you need to do something. You need to make lemonade. And so you have a choice and have to choose how you're gonna respond. So those are the two things that are gonna happen. Now listen, this is not just worldly advice. You could say, well, that's some worldly advice. No, it's actually the advice of Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 32. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, lemons. But take heart, make lemonade. I vote because I've overcome the world. But one of Jesus' disciples, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he describes after his own difficulties, he describes it this way. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, right? We got, we got lemons. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Lemonade. Persecuted. Lemons, but not forsaken. Lemonade. Struck down. Lemons, but not destroyed. Lemonade. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Lemons. So that we can make lemonade toward you. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Lemons that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, lemons, but life in you, lemonade. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Listen to this, the ultimate lemonade, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. See, the apostle Paul faced all kinds of hardship. Dude, at one point, he was literally physically stoned and left for dead lemons. The church gets around and They pray. They start making lemonade out of a very bad experience. Our leader just got crushed by rocks. Get the rocks off, you know, Lord, do something here. And God made lemonade. Paul gets up. He tries to go back into that city to preach. They had to say, no, 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 dude, come on. You had enough. Well, you can get us some fresh lemons another day. All right. (laughs) For right now, take a break. It's Paul the Apostle. It wasn't that Paul the Apostle was making light of his hardships. What he had this mindset that the present sufferings of this age, the lemons that we face, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that awaits us. Lemonade. And God is the original lemonade maker out of of all things that are sour and bitter and hard in our lives. And so that's what we're going to focus on in our new series. The series title is called Lemonade, What to Do. When life gives you lemons. Now, the first step to making real lemonade is what? It's making the decision to make lemonade, right? You know, not it's you gotta decide you're going to do it. But if I get a bag of lemons, the first thing I gotta go is, what am I gonna do with those lemons? And you gotta decide, right? If you're going to make, make make lemonade out of the sour, bitter moments of your life, you're going to have to decide to do it. And so today I want to talk about the lemonade decision. That's the title of my message. Five decisions you could make in order to make lemon, lemonade out of the lemons in your life. Now, lemons come in varying degrees of sour, just like hot peppers come in varying degrees of hot, right? So if you haven't picked up a lemon, you're like, that's not bad, right? And another time you pick up a lemon, you're like, you know, I'm like, Sour Patch Kids have nothing on this thing. Like, your eyeball, you can feel your eyeballs almost curling in your skull, you know? Well, Recently, John Good, he was our, uh, he, he leads, uh, he's leading worship here, towering and eclipsing the, um, you know, I was sitting up front here, I'm like, all I want is to live within your love. And it's not because I'm dancing to the music, I'm trying to read around John, you know what I'm saying? So, so anyway, John gave us a bag, this, 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 or this container of jalapeno peppers, but in there he gave us a special gift, one habanero and one ghost pepper. All right, I like hot jalapenos, that's no problem. But to, to appreciate this, you gotta understand that a, a, a habanero is about, I don't know, it could be, depends on, on where it's at, but it's roughly 10 times, could be up to 20 times hotter than jalapenos, all right? Ghost peppers are five times hotter than a habanero. Those are the peppers from hell. They emerge from the lake of fire to destroy men's guts. Anyway, so so, uh, Alicia, who's, who is who uh, playing the bass over here, her dad was visiting with us and he looks at my habanero and he goes, <clears throat> you got any milk? And I'm like, he's roughly my age. And I said, dude, if you're gonna drink that, if you're gonna eat that thing, I'll, I got a gallon of milk. I'll give you all the milk you want if you eat that thing. Because I won't even eat those things and I like hot. So he goes, <sniffs> takes a bite, swallows it down, chugs his milk. He's mostly good. He's like, mmm. Ah, you know, he's, he's taking it in. My son Josiah sees that and gets totally emboldened thinks, I'm going for this. He grabs what he thinks is a habanero. <laughs> takes the whole thing. <clears throat> I have his milk ready. I know it's not a habanero, so I'm watching to see what happens. <laughs> I, said, I, mean, I warned him. I said, I'm not sure that's a habanero. It looks a little different. He goes, Yeah, I don't know. It's probably okay. And so he takes it. He eats it. I have some milk. He goes, you want some milk? He goes, no, I'm fine. I'm like... Milk. And so later I take a video. John's probably got this on his phone somewhere. I take this video. I'm interviewing Josiah. Josiah, what are you experiencing right now? His face is already sweating. He's running his shirt up and down. He's sweating everywhere. He's like, mm, ah, my ears. I feel it in my ears. Like, you know, like cartoons with the ease of go, Ooh, you know. I've never eaten a pepper that hot. Sometimes it is good to look before you jump. Anyway. But just like hot peppers, there are basic lemons, right? And there are big lemons. We can take a basic lemon that's kind of, it's sour, but it's not killing us. And then there's big sour. And in this series, we're going to look at, today, we're going to look at kind of the basic lemons we all face. And then next week, Pastor Vern's going to look at some of the bigger lemons, like relational betrayal. And the following week, I'm going to talk about loss and grief when someone dies or those kind of things happen uh, in our life. And so life's basic lemons are things like temptation, rejection job loss, financial difficulty, misunderstanding in relationships, disappointed expectations, and things like that. And big lemons might be things like a cancer diagnosis or chronic disease or a loss of a marriage through divorce or loss of a loved one through death. And and, and in all these things, you weren't looking for it. Life handed you a big fat lemon. And so today, the stuff I'm gonna teach today, if you don't get this today, The other bigger lemons, you can't face those lemons. If you can't get the basic lemons, the big lemons are gonna roll right over you and just crush you with a sour experience. And so we're gonna look at that. So all these ideas come straight from the uh, actions of Christ and his disciples. How many would like to begin to learn how to make lemonade out of the lemons in your life? Anybody? All right. Let's jump right in. The The first thing we have to do there, you know, we have to decide to make lemonade, I said, right? So the first thing we have to decide to do is we have to decide to live for God in everything. You have to determine what you're about and what you're not about. Does that make sense? In other words, Jesus never left his identity, his purpose, what he was about and what he was not about. Jesus never left that up for public opinion or a vote. And you need to determine what you're about and what you're not about. There's a story that really highlights this in the book of Daniel from the, uh, there are three Hebrew men, who have been taken captive in Babylon, and they've been highly promoted. And, and, and the king of Babylon, this man named Nebuchadnezzar, gets the bright idea that he wants to create a gold statue and make everyone in the nation bow down to it. And if you don't bow down to it, he's gonna kill you. Have you executed? So peer pressure. How many know that's a lemon? That's a nasty lemon, right? So you got a lemon in front of him, and these, these three Hebrew men are, won't do it. And so some other tattletales come up and say, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, there's some guys here that you promoted. They won't bow down to your statue. And so Nebuchadnezzar's like, you won't bow down to my statue? You better bow down to my statue. And so here's where our story picks up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. King Nebuchadnezzar says, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who's the God who will deliver you from my hands? How many of you you want to get God's attention? Just call him out in a little contest like that. Who's going to help you? (sighs) Dumb, king. Anyway, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, we're not changing our mind. If, If that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, I love how they it. he will do it. But if he doesn't, <laughs> I love it. I think God likes it people get tough. God's got this. But if he doesn't, <laughs> but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image, which you have set up. King Nebuchadnezzar was as hot as the furnace he had heated up. See, here's something that's really important that we learn from these people who are being willing. See, if you're going to live for God, if you're gonna decide to live for God, you're gonna decide to live for Jesus Christ. Really, you're also deciding that you're willing to die for him also. And the modern church has come to a place where we treat our relationship with Jesus. We come into the faith as a Western culture person and we treat Jesus like a lucky rabbit's foot. That if it goes well, I keep my little Jesus in my pocket. And I rub my little Jesus when I need him in the form of prayer. And then and hopefully he answers me. But it, and then when he does not I'll throw my rabbit's foot away. Some people walk away from their faith because it's the real truth of the problem in a lot of the lemons that we face. The most, one of the most foundational things we have to do is decide who we're living for. If you base your walk with God... On lemons that you're facing, I didn't get this. I had this expectation, it didn't happen. Therefore, I am not going to follow God. You were never a follower of God. You were a follower of your own desires and just trying to do it through God. But these guys, not these guys, man, they're they're going all in. Hey, we're not gonna do this. Even if you, even if God doesn't, we know God can deliver us. He's all powerful, he's almighty. But if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down to you because that's not a God. We don't bow to anything, it's not a God he's mad guess what he did to them they threw him into the fire they're in the fire he he in fact he's so mad he says heat that furnace up seven times hotter Uh, okay because because the fire is not good enough okay so let's get it really hot he finally gets it so hot I guess they're breathing air out or however they do it. Then he says, sends these centurions after it gets into a roaring blaze, Now throw them into the fire. They walk up there, the centurions get burned up. They like, I don't know if they got incinerated or just kind of burned there on the ground and writhed around in pain, who knows. But the, but the free Hebrew guys were thrown into that fire and their clothes didn't get burned up, but their ropes did. They didn't smell like smoke, even though they were in fire. And here's why. While they're in there, while they're having this experience, Nebuchadnezzar uh, sees something. He's looking there and it picks up right here in Daniel chapter three. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste. He spoke saying to his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Yeah, king, that's true. True, O oh king. <laughs> Look, he answered. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Because it was the son of God. You know what happened as a result of that? He calls them out. Like you know, I don't know how this works. You know, you're like in there. You're probably thinking, "Hey, I'm not burning up. I think it's safer in here than it is out there." <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar calls Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out here right now. <laughs> they walk out there. They're not even smoking, and they don't smell. They, they their clothes didn't burn up, but these incinerated whatever corpses of the other two guys or three guys or however many tried to throw them in there are all burnt up. Remember that question? Who's the God that will deliver you from my hand? He did. You know what happened? In the end result, is King Nebuchadnezzar declared a, declared a decree in that day, it says, look, there's no God like the Hebrew God, so everyone better worship him or I'll kill you now. He's got a psychotic little king here, you know what I'm saying? And then they got promoted. Here's the bottom line. All that happened because they decided who they were what they live for and they didn't base it on the popular vote of Babylon. And neither should you. And when you truly decide to live for Christ, he's gonna be there for you in the midst of that fiery trial that you're facing. I think the reason he showed up wasn't like, like, I think there's people who say, God will be there for me and then God doesn't show up. They're in a different kind of test because he can see their heart and know that nah, you're not the real deal. You're going to quit the moment you don't get it your way. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were coming at it from the angle of, no matter what, we're following God. And that's the question I have for you this morning. Where, where are you at? There's a young man in the church here who, who's in the public school system, and, and uh He's at a school lunch situation. Like, you know, most of our temptations aren't life or death ones, but there's still pressure. The Babylon's doing one thing, Babylon wants you to do it. By that, I mean the world around you, right? Wants you to do it. And everybody wants everybody to go along. Like 80% of the people are doing it and 20% aren't. So the rest of you 20 need to get in with what the 80's doing. Well, what if the 80 are wrong? So there's this young man and he's going to school and, and, and he's, he, he goes to lunch and he has like these two or three or four guys that are around him each day at school and they're, they're pressuring him. Hey, oh, Christian, come on, I want you to use the F word. Just say it. Just say it. It's like they just get some rise out of here and I, I want to see you fail. That's what they're saying. I want to see you be like us. I don't want to be like you. Any day I could be like you. I'm not going to bow before your God. I'm not going to bow before your pressure. I'm not going to bow before it. I have made my decision. I have decided how, who I'm living for. I've determined who I am and what I'm about. And so should you. I was working at Ethan Allen in the warehouse, the warehouse manager. Everything in Ethan Allen is a piece of furniture because that's the kid, that's the young That's the young adult version. The adult version of this is, is I'm working in the warehouse there. Every piece of furniture and Ethan Allen is a custom order piece of furniture and they're very expensive just saying anybody's ever been there you know what I'm talking about so uh I have two pieces of custom order furniture and they and they are uh they're little nightstands and one of them is missing the drawer pull and my boss the manager of the store comes to me and she says look let's take the we're missing the pull it was going out for delivery they needed to put it on there so she says let's take it from the other one that's not for delivery yet Let's put it on this one and then tell them we special ordered it for them. She's basically wanting to paint a picture to make us look better. And I said, well, no, that that would be lying. And she said, yes, it would. I said, no, I won't. I'm made of the same stuff you are. I have the same fears of losing my job and those kind of things, just like everyone does. But I wasn't gonna bow to Babylon that day. I wasn't gonna be moved by that because I decided who I'm living for, what I'm about and what I'm not about. And so should you. And you can by God's grace. The second thing decision we need to make is we need to decide to agree with God in everything. You need to determine what will set the course of your life. Our Lord Jesus Christ gives an amazing example when he was under temptation. Like if you're gonna do number one that I just talked about, number two needs to become a part of your life where you learn to agree with God. And Jesus did that through the word of God. And Matthew 4, tells the story of Satan coming to Jesus and tempting him. He took him through three specific temptations. The first one, he said, if you're the son of God, turn this rock, because he'd been fasting for 40 days, turn this rock into bread. Jesus says, uh, it's written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds to the mouth of God. Now, you could say, well, that's Jesus. I mean, he wasn't tempted. Have you ever fasted 40 days? You can get pretty hungry in that time, just saying. And then you're all close to God. You actually think, maybe I do have the supernatural power right now to turn this rock into bread. But he says, no, not, I'm not going that direction. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that comes from the mouth of God. So the devil ups his ante. He says, okay, you're into the scripture thing, so am I. Devils takes Jesus up on a high place. He says, Jesus, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written. So he's like, okay, he's challenging my identity, but he's also quoting scripture. Throw yourself down for here, for it is written, the devil's quoting scripture now, he shall give his angels charge over you and he'll not allow you to dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus comes back and says, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It's almost like he was saying, if the devil's quoting scripture, don't obey the devil because the source is still the devil, right? Makes sense. The source is the devil. So, uh, so two things, he has this identity challenge and then finally the devil says, okay, look, you're, you're, you know who you are and you know what you're about, but, but let me just make you an offer. We can just bypass this. You, you wanna rule over everything? You're probably gonna rule over everything. You are the son of God after all. I got an idea. I already have the world under my power. We can cut a shortcut to this by you bowing down and worshiping me and he shows him all the kingdoms of this world. He says, and I'll give you all of this for it's been given to me. And it was given to him by Adam back in that time. But Adam failed. And Jesus said, it is written, away with you, Satan. You know, some of you need to learn to, to say, away with you, Satan. Get out of my life. Quit, quit dialoguing with devils. Like, what's the point? By, by, what I mean by that is when temptation comes your way, why are you entertaining it? Why don't you go, get, get away from me, Satan. It is written, uh, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. You notice something, whether it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or, or the, the young man at school, or, or the Ethan Allen story, or whatever, that, that there's, a, there's a something that, that gets this, this absoluteness in it. It says, I have already decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. That's, that's where I'm at. And whatever came Christ's way, it is written was his answer. And it took him through everything that he faced. And I want to suggest to you, it's not that the word of God has been tested and found wanting. It's that it hasn't been fully tested yet. But to do that, you've got to put that in you. You've got to put the word in you. My wife, 16 years old, uh, was in the public high school system herself. And she, Lydia was facing uh, you know the different challenges. All her friends were starting to get into sexual immorality and the party lifestyle and all that. And, and her one Christian friend that she was hanging with, they were banding together, you know, Then that her friend finally fell into all that stuff. And Lydia was truly scared for where she was at with the Lord. She's like, Lord, I don't want to be that. I want to, I want to be a virgin when I'm married. I, I want the only, I want the guy that i married. I'm going to be the only person that, that's the only person I've ever known and, in bed. And, and I just want to honor you in this. And it's so hard. I mean, come on, let's be real, right? Temptation's hard in the moment. And and she said, she she was sitting there, she was actually in her friend's bedroom where her friend was out partying, she was hiding from the party. She sees over this nightstand or whatever, I think I got the story right, she'll correct me later if I'm wrong, don't worry. Uh, I, these, but the, the essence of the details are, the bottom line is correct if the details are wrong. She sees this, this uh, devotional on the nightstand and she opens it up, it flips right open to, with every temptation, God has made a way of escape. There's no temptation that you've come against. It's come against you. That's not common to man, but with it, God has made a way of escaping. You know what she did? She decided to agree with God about that. And so should you. The third thing we need to do is we need to decide to praise God in everything. And by that, I mean, determine not to let the devil win. What do you mean? Don't let the devil win. Well, don't complain or grumble because here's why. Okay, so first of all, let me just, with humility, admit, this is, I've had a hard six weeks. I, I, I've had more complaining than I could imagine come out of my mouth. Like, I'm like you know, 50 to 500 times. I don't know what the number is exactly. I didn't count, but, but I'm sure heaven did. And basically, as I was getting ready for this and I was seeking the Lord about this, I felt like the Holy Spirit put this in my heart. Complaining and grumbling is basically praising the devil for what he's doing in your life. <laughs> See law <laughs> so Why? Well, what is praise exactly? Praise isn't just an affirmation of oh, you're a good person. Praise is like an appraisal. If, if we were appraising a house, we're basically saying, what is the value of this house in the current market? Right? And so when I begin to say the current market deems the house not valuable, that's what I'm doing when the devil is bringing junk against my life or circumstances, my lemons are coming my way, and I say, that lemon is more powerful than the God I serve. Are you following me? Instead of praising God and saying, it doesn't really matter what comes my way, you're still the most valuable thing. Yep. You know, when I was growing up in, uh, when I was in Texas in the 80s, there were these bumper stickers, late 80s and early 90s, there were bumper stickers on the back of people's cars that says, life sucks and then you die. Anybody remember those sickers? Nobody? Well, that's probably more holy up here. But in Texas, they just got to say what they think. So, and we can have that mindset like life sucks lemons only, you know, and, and then you get sour experiences and pucker your lips and, and die. And so I don't want to praise that. I don't want to give that glory. I don't want to give that honor. I want to give praise uh, to God. And when you complain, you're basically declaring that what's facing you is greater than the God you're in covenant with. You're saying it's greater than Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yet 1 John tells us, the apostle John tells us, greater is he that's in you than anything that you're facing in this world. How many wanna know what the will of God is for your life? Come on, just a few of you, come on, come on. Who wants to know, who wants to know? I gotta tell you, I got, I got the Bible. I'm gonna tell you the will of God for your life. One more time, who wants to know the will of God for your life? Okay, you ready? This is for every single person here, but you're probably not gonna like it, but here it comes. Here's God's will for your life. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything. Say everything. everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. What? How do we do that? I want to show you through through this Apostle named Paul and his sidekick Silas. Paul and Silas were on a journey. They were preaching the gospel. They were going from city to city. They were trying to help everyone out. They came upon this woman who was a fortune teller, must have been pretty good at it because she discerned who the apostle Paul and Silas were and said, Behold, these are the men of the most high God. Listen to them. But in the journey, Paul was like, I'm discerning something that isn't the Lord there. He turns around and says, In the name of Jesus, spirit of divination, come out of her. She's like, demon leaves, you know. Her owners get mad at her. And so it's like, think like uh, human trafficking today and gang stuff. And so they basically got this slave girl, uh, freed her from her demon, freed her from her captors. The owners are mad. And so they send Vinnie and Guido to break Paul and Silas's legs. You know what I'm saying? And so they send out their, their guys and they have them beaten and they have them thrown in prison. And this is where our story picks up in the book of Acts. Check this out. Acts chapter 16, verse 23. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Yo, Vinny, Guido, make sure they don't escape. <laughs> Isom, you know, that kind of thing. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself because if he did he knew his boss would. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! The jailer called for lights. He ran into the dungeon. He fell down trembling before Paul and Siles. He brought them out and asked him, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. Now, let's just review that story. It's some powerful things. They get beaten. They get this wild idea. Understand the other prisoners in there probably were beaten sometime during that day too. It's just the way that stuff goes. And at midnight, Paul Paul's maybe there, or Silas. I don't know which one kicked off the praise party, but they're like there and they're like, mm, Silas, I feel some praise coming up at me. <laughs> like, what? How's this? And he's like, And I don't know how they did it. They started slapping their knee with their chains on and made some sound out of their chains. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember. Who knows, right? But what the Bible says happens is the other prisoners were listening to them while they were going through the exact same circumstance, but they didn't appraise the circumstance the same way. They praised the God who brought them this far. And they said, I've already decided to live for him. I've already decided to die for him. I'm still here sucking air. So I'm gonna breathe it out to God in praise. And everyone was listening and they were like, who are these people? And then suddenly, in the midst of that praise party, an earthquake happens, boom, doors fly, open, and not just they were set free, every prisoner was set free. Now, let me ask you a question. When the world is watching your life as a Christian, do they see you complain and grumble and therefore conclude that you have no greater help for your life than they have for theirs? Or do they see you in the face of adversity, praise your God, and are wondering about him because they're like, who does that? The jailer heard them singing too. You know that, right? Like, man, I beat that boy hard. How in the world is he singing like that? because he had, a, he had a song in him. He had a praise in him. He had a music in him that was greater than the adversity that he was facing. It's almost like he believed greater is he that's in him than whatever he was facing. And he brought it up in the form, they, they brought it up in the form of praise. Listen, the impact wasn't only on them, it was on the other people's lives. And I'm just wondering if we would walk out our praise before Jesus Christ, if we would live a life of glory to him and praise him, if not, it would not only shake us from our own prison, but it might set people free from theirs. You have more power in you than you understand. When you walk the normal stuff, when life's sucky lemons are coming your way, you don't say life sucks and then you die. You say, life gave me lemons and I'm making lemonade. Glory to God. And so you could complain about imprisonment. You could complain about the beating that life's giving you at the hands of life, or you can praise God in it. And he might just shake your prison and set you free and set other people free also. The fourth thing we need to do is we need to decide to surrender to God in everything. And this is where we determine to let God win. This is where we say, like Jesus, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. Listen, he has a prophetic revelation. He's gonna go to the cross. He can see what's gonna happen. He's in a prayer meeting by himself with God the Father. He's at this rock and he's saying, Father, I come to you. I wish this particular event that I see coming could pass from me. It's not the event of the suffering as much or the beating. Well, that's bad. He's about to experience sin, what it feels like for the first time. It's nature of separating human beings from God. He says, God, Father, if, if you could take this from me, I don't want to have to go through this, but not my will, not what I want, but yours be done. Friends, that, that's the... That's the nature and the very essence of surrender. Surrender is not saying that everything that comes your way in life, it's not accepting that everything that happens to you is from God. It's accepting God in everything that happens to you. It's not believing that all the hardships that you faced, God caused it, but rather that God can be found in the hardships that you're facing. That the one that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew men in the fire will be with you in your fire of testing also. And he has a purpose. He wants to make eternal lemonade, not only for your life, but the lives of those around you. I want you to think about what happened to Jesus at the end there. Jesus gets brought before Pontius Pilate, and the Bible tells us that Pilate's quizzing him, saying all these questions, and he says, hey, if you're the Christ this, and this is what they're saying about you, and it just, the Bible just says Jesus didn't answer him a word. Peter describes it as as a lamb before the shears is silent. So was Jesus in that moment. Then they bring him out to be beaten, and they're punching him. Pah! Prophesy to us, Christ, who struck you? How many know that lemon was super tempting? You're John Smith, you were born on whatever day, your mother and father in this. In fact, I could tell you about all your relatives, especially the ones that did live for my Father, I brought you into this world and I could take you out. How many know that was tempting to Jesus? Let me just prophesy to you, that would be really fun right now. I bet he wanted to do that. They come to take him captive right before that moment when they came to get him with Judas and the whole betrayal, and this this, this group of armed men come to get him. Peter gets all shot, chops off a guy's ear, and Jesus catches that ear and like puts it back on the guy's head and be healed in my name. And so he gets healed, and and then and then he says, "Peter, guys, stop! Listen to listen to what he was being tempted with. Do you not know that I could call twelve legions of angels right now? That's like twenty four thousand angels." Little temptation there. Mm, let's bring that hammer down. No, he didn't do it. And then the big one, right? I mean, this is me. I mean, this, okay, this is where I thought I would have had it. I would have been to my fill. I would have been to my limit. He's hanging on the cross, right? He's been beaten to a bloody pulp. He's hanging there. And they're like, hey, if you're the Christ for real, come off that cross right now. Now I'll believe you. Oh, man, I'd be all X-Men on them. Maybe like, pop every nail out of those things. Pop, 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 pop. Float down like Magneto. How you like me now, boy? They would have bowed down. Oh, you're Lord. You're the Christ. But He didn't do that. Why? He was surrendered to His Father. We have people accuse us, misunderstand us, and we just got to go defend ourselves. We got to talk about them to everybody behind their back. You know what I'm saying? We get in this thing and God's like, well, could you just surrender to me in that moment? Let me make lemonade out of that painful accusation. My son could have popped those nails out and blew their minds and the whole world would have bowed, but it wasn't time for that. He was surrendered to me. In fact, the Bible says in John chapter five, verse 19, Jesus said, I only do that, which I see my father doing. That's it. That's what I do. And I don't do anything else. See, Jesus said, like we said in the beginning, in this world, you will have tribulation. The Apostle Paul said it this way. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's some people that don't want to live godly in Christ. They'd like to be accepted. But all those who are going to desire to live godly, you're going to be pushed. You're going to be tempted. People are going to try to oppress you. Into, into its mold. And you've got to decide where you're going to be in this thing. And when I see Jesus surrendering to that level, when I look at, okay, so I, I want you to see the key thing here. It's really important because the, most, the thing that I said to you in all this, it isn't you need to decide you're going to live for God. Because most of you in this room have decided that at some point. The key word was in everything. Not sometimes in everything, honoring God with your choices, what you watch on TV, how you relate to your friends, you're, uh, you know, honoring God with, with sex and the way you manifest that. And like, it matters to God in everything. It, it's not that, it's not agreeing with God in some things, Most say, say, 80% I agree with God, I agree with the Bible. Not 20% I just do what I want, that's not everything. Praise God in everything. I praise God sometimes, but I kind of like my complaining thing. It's been working out okay for me. Is it? Surrender to God. Why surrender to God when it's convenient? See, it's the in everything part that challenges all of us, right? And I'm no exception um, to that. The foundational decision the fifth decision and the most foundational one, the one that's going to help you do the other four is this. You got to decide to trust God with every part of your life. Let me say it this way. You need to determine who and what you will depend on when you face life's hardships. In fact, the Bible is so strong on it in the book of Hebrews when the author there under the influence of the Holy spirit wants to encourage the church of that time. You got to understand, we suffered nothing in the United States like they did in those days. I mean, uh, if you want to get a picture of what they were suffering, look over so to uh, strongly conservative, you know, uh, uh, strict Islamic nations where they persecute and kill Christians. And you got a better idea of what they would have been facing in that day. And this is what he says in Hebrews 12, one through three. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of faith, Listen to this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Lemons. Scorning its shame. You know what that means? That's like somebody saying, I'm going to kill you. Like, bring it on. Scorning its shame. It's as if the lemon was put before him and he just said, I'm going to squeeze all the juice out of this lemon moment. Into this Picture called the wrath of God. I'm going to drink this sour experience for a greater joy that is set before me that I could have. And he would say to you that I could have you with me where I am forever. And I am willing to endure my sour experience knowing I get lemonade later with you. And will you do the same for me? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the scripture says, he made lemonade. And then he goes on to say, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How did he do that? He trusted God, the Father, with every part of his life. His his closest disciple, an apostle named John said in 1 John 5, verse four through five, for every child of God, defeats this evil world. Now, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands, but I bet most of you would say, I'm a child of God here today, but you don't feel like you're defeating this evil world. And this is what he says you gotta do. And we achieve that victory, that defeat, through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, if you wanna win, You need to surrender your life in trust to Jesus. I'll tell you a story about my week and really my last six weeks. Doing a fine job of lighting you up, but I had a terrible time living this in the last six weeks. Oh, was I living for Christ in most things? Yes. Was I agreeing with God in most things? Yes. Praising God in most things? Yes. Surrendering in most things? Yes. In everything? No. I've never experienced stress like a building project. God forbid you have to go through something like this. (laughs) You say, how tough can it be? Well, 1,723,000 decisions later, it can be painful, it can be hard. And that seems stupid. In fact, I feel bad saying it because I do think about my Christian brothers and sisters in countries where they're being persecuted to the death and I'm crying the blues about the blessing of God, really. And at this week, it got to a place I—I I made a, 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 a kind of a critical error in my leadership, and I was so mad at myself and frustrated. It was like the turning point, and I—I I had to take Carissa home to, um, to after after she worked here at Five Stone Kids, and I took her home. And while I was driving in the car, she could see I was having a bad day. So she decides to put on Mercy Me, the song called Even If. If you haven't listened to it, it's basically saying, hey, you know, I've encouraged people to trust you. And right now I just can't and my life sucks. And whatever, he's singing about lemons and lemonade basically. And 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 and, and I'm trying to hold it in, but I am about to lose it. So I'm turning my head from her and I'm like, you know, my, fels, my face and nose is melting all over my face. And Carissa being so sweet, she just not saying anything, just rubs my shoulder from the bathroom. See, that just made it worse. I'm like... Before I got there, you know, talk about lemons. It's just been that kind of week. I stepped into my car to go. I had to get ready for this meeting with Speedwell. And so I, I, I got into my car and I was carrying my coffee out and... Up it goes and poof, all over my seat. I'm riding home, my leg all in coffee. And so, so then my, my daughter, I go, I didn't take a shower and change anyway, thank God. So I don't smell like coffee now. I, I go, I, I come in the house, she says, hey dad, I'll take care of cleaning this for you. Just go get your shower. I get in the shower and I'm like, God, this is so hard. I mean, what, I don't even know what to do. I, my brain feels stuck. Have you ever been there? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, well, you're in a new series called Lemonade. What would you tell people to do with their lemons this week? What are you going to tell? I said, what are you going to tell them this week? And I was like, oh, you set me up. Note to self, I need to do some other kind of series, like how God blesses those or something. And so like, anyway, um, you get the idea. So I'm sitting there with my head bowed in the shower. And I, I was like, I'd probably tell them to do what Jesus did on the cross. Forgive those who are doing hurtful things because they don't know what they're doing. And, and then, I would, then I would do this, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus couldn't, would not take himself off that cross. He entrusted himself to the one who could raise him from the dead. That's the ultimate lemonade, right? some of you today, you need to do that. Whether you know Christ, and like me, you know Christ, but it's not in everything. It's in some things, and you're looking at something, and the reason you don't obey God in something is you've not figured out that other 20% and haven't realized, I'm at a place where my human strength, I'm at the end of my rope, proverbially speaking, and, you know, I mean, not literally speaking, because I don't have a rope, but and I'm at the end of my rope, and maybe you're there too, and the simple call from the Lord is, will you trust me because you can only do the others if you do. Would you stand to your feet? Look, I'm talking to all of you. You know Christ. You don't know Christ. We all need to commit ourselves. This stuff that I said today, it only works for Christians. What do you mean? I, when I when I was when I was studying for this message, I I pulled up the series. I pulled up. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Just on a Google search, to see what kind of articles are out there. The world has the dumbest counsel ever for most of that stuff. It's usually very selfish counsel, self-centered stuff, and it actually doesn't help. But actually, I'm like, that actually is gonna make you more bitter. I mean, I've, I, I pastor people like you're you. <laughs> no offense, not all you. Like, wait, you talking about me? I don't know, you decide. Anyway, um, but, but, but so, some of the stuff, some of that stuff will, will make you, it'll make you worse. Stuff I'm telling you, the ability to to live for God or die for him and everything, to to agree with him and everything, to praise him and everything, to surrender to him and everything starts foundationally with trusting him with your life totally. Some of you have gone to church. You've said the prayer. It didn't do anything. Because at a heart level, you weren't ready to surrender or commit yourself to the Lord. And I'm inviting you today to do that. Now, the first group uh, I want to talk to is those you've not done it yet. You just haven't. You you come to church, you think going to church makes you a Christian. It doesn't. Making a covenant with Jesus does. And you do that by simply saying, God, I, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again, that you'll forgive those who come to you in faith. And I need your forgiveness. I've done stuff I don't like. I don't want to be this way. And into, your, into his loving hands and help you commit your spirit. Some of you need to do that today. And then for those of you who know Jesus, you need to quit trying to fight this battle in your own strength and get connected again with the Holy Spirit and let him help you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and just let me invite those into this? And the reason I have you do that is not because I'm don't, you don't want me to see. No, I want you to take some time to get in a little private space inside you and listen to God talking to you without doing, quit doing what Babylon's doing. Quit looking around at the crowd and seeing what they're doing. Why don't you just decide today who you're going to be and what you're about? Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again that those who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He wants to give that to you today. He died in that sour experience to give you the sweetness of eternity with him. Some of you need to get in on that today. You never have in the way I'm talking about it. And I'm inviting you to do that with your heads bowed, and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus for real, for the first time, would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you? Come on. So here's what's happening right now. Those of you who know you're supposed to, you're feeling this pressure on you and you're resisting it because you think, ah, if someone around me thinks I should already be there, quit that. Don't let your eternity be determined by an embarrassing moment as it might seem to you. Last time for this, if you're here today and you wanna surrender your life to Jesus, just let me lead you in a prayer. I'm not gonna call you up here and embarrass you. I'm just gonna pray for you right where are at. Raise your hand high. I won't see you unless you do. I see one, two. two. come on, anybody else? great. Put your hands down. Now, for those of you here today, and you're saying, man, I I know Jesus, but I have definitely not walked in his grace or power. I've done it in my own strength, and I need to commit my spirit to the Lord. You're facing something right now, and you want God's help. You've got Lemon City going on in your life, and you want to navigate it. Now, some of you think, see, this person doesn't get, everybody has lemons people. Some people navigate their lemons better than others. Some people hide their lemons from others. All of us have them. You're here today and you're saying, man, I'm facing something today and I'm have not, i not. But some of you are committing your life to God, you're doing it. Some of you aren't, you want to. If you're here today and that's you, would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you? That's me, where I'm at, that's where I've been. I just told you my story. Would you join me in praying together? Let's pray this. And for those of you who are asking Christ to be Lord of your life, you can pray this as well. It'll all work the same. Say, God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for trying to live my life in my own strength for facing sour experiences and letting them make me bitter, instead of letting you make me better. I come today and I make a covenant with you, Jesus Christ, that you are Lord of my life. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I ask you to lead me in your ways, and I ask you to give me living understanding of your word so I can't agree with you, so I can praise you in everything, and so I can surrender to your will, even when it doesn't feel good, knowing that you are good. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God thanks for those who said yes to Jesus. Welcome to the family of God.